You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go hard or go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. Let's go. We will now continue our interview with Jill Burks from part one. So you're one of the few, very few women in general that have gone through the life cycle of starting a business, raising capital, selling your business. Uh, when you meet new entrepreneurs, um, you know, what is it that you observe where, hey, you get the game wrong in terms of you underappreciate certain things where, of course, you've been through the full cycle. Like, is there anything that you see with new entrepreneurs that they don't get that they should? Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people skip steps. So to the point of raising funding, a lot of people hear my story and they hear that I raised however many millions of dollars. And that's the thing they want to talk about first. And I'm like, wait a minute, what do you do? First of all, how do you make money? Let's talk about that. You got the chariot in front of the horse. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not, getting no, you're not getting any money until maybe you build a prototype, until you, you, know, you fully understand the user acquisition model, the marketing, and all this other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many pieces that you got to figure out before you can go and reasonably go ask somebody else to invest in it. And then I think a lot of people just assume that other people will invest in their companies before they've made an investment. And like I said, I was operating my business or at least trying to operate for a solid year before I got anybody else's money. Meaning I had to put the first tens of thousands of dollars into it before I could reasonably go and ask somebody else to put some money into it. Yeah. So I think that's an important piece too. And then, you know, a lot of people aren't thinking about the business from a perspective of just business fundamentals. Like what does the cash flow look like? How does this how does this sustain after any investment? They have everything figured out on raising capital, but not the fundamentals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really challenge people to think about what is the business itself? Is it something that you want to be doing for the long haul? You know, that's a big question too. Is this a idea that you have today and next year you're going to be over it? Or is this something that really bothers you and you won't be satisfied until it's solved for everybody? That's a big thing too. Are you concerned? Of course, we saw crashes and a tech crash in 2000. Of course, we had a financial crisis in uh, 2008. Mm -hmm. But are you concerned in terms of so many entrepreneurs not caring about cash flow and profits and kind of fundamentals where, you know, there's going to be a reversion to the mean where all this, you know, valuations and, and, and all this stuff, it comes, it's going to snap back to yep. where people start caring about these things. Yes. Are it's you seeing stuff already. that's concerned? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's happening already. And like I said, I'm, I'm having a lot of conversations about how do you just build the business? Um, just build the business. And then you might want to think about investment to scale the business, but let's just build a business first. And, and, and perhaps you won't, you will be able to build something that's very valuable that you can maintain ownership of. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Don't even worry about the investment. Also a flip mentality, at least I, I, what I've witnessed over the couple of years is a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they don't even try to hide that. They just want to build it and flip it. Mm -hmm. Uh, which sounds like uh, uh, there's a lot of froth and the market is going to correct uh, uh, pretty aggressively. At least I think so. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about 
how your Amazon deal comes about. So it's an interesting story. I was not setting out to sell my company at that time. I actually was setting out to get my CTO, who I mentioned, uh, Dr. Nashley Cephas, some more visibility. So I was personally feeling like I was doing too much speaking and talking about part pick and needed to be focused more so on getting more customers and building the business, as I was mentioning. Um, and I thought that Nashley actually has perhaps a more interesting story than I do as far as her background. And she's from Jackson, Mississippi, um, went to Mississippi State for undergrad and Georgia Tech for her graduate work. Um, and like I said, is one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. So I wanted her to get on stages and have the opportunity to talk more about her work. And so I had started reaching out to different conferences and asking them, um, basically looking at their websites and saying that they had no black people, no women, definitely no women of color, um, and saying, hey, you know, I think I have someone who would help your conference. And so one of the conferences got back to me and they were like, yes, absolutely right. We would love to have her come and speak. And so this was a deep learning conference in Boston. And Nashley did a presentation. She did an amazing job. And Amazon was in the room during her, Amazon Corporate Development was in the room during her presentation. So they came up to her afterwards, gave her a card, told her, you know, this is great what you guys are doing. And then she comes back to the office on Monday morning, hands me a stack of cards. I'm flipping through the cards and I'm like, Amazon Corporate Development, what do they want? So followed up and that's really what started the conversations for the acquisition. A high level executive, uh at Facebook, a brother, he told me, you're never going to sell your business unless you built your brand. And it, it sounds like, although it was like one conference mm -hmm. uh, that fits right into that zone yeah. where, you know, people need to know about you. You need to build some relationships uh, to improve your optionality in terms of how this plays out yep. later on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you, uh, they email you? Uh, Amazon Corporative? Um, yeah, we had an email exchange. I think we got on the phone maybe that next week after she got back from the conference. And yeah, that was May 2016. We didn't at that time. So this is an interesting part of my story, I think, is that we were out raising a Series A at that time, um, trying to raise a Series A. And we already had a couple term sheets on the table. We weren't super happy with them. Um, and so Amazon, it was all timing. It was like our options were go with, uh, continue build the company, but give up control. Shitty terms. Yeah. Yeah. Give Dirty up control. terms. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, many reasons why I think that is partially has to do with who we were as a team. Um, as far as, you know, people undervaluing what we built because of who we were. Uh, yeah. Would you say that, uh, and that's why I don't like to talk about people accusing corporations and institutions of uh, racism. Let's just go to the Department of Justice and to the government mm -hmm. where, for example, Wells Fargo in terms of how they analyzed uh, mortgage applications. Yep. The, the American government is busting these companies for being dirty towards us. And you're saying as an entrepreneur that what we've seen in the mortgage market, you're going to see it on the oh, yeah. sheets. Like, it's across like, the board. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Is there a term that you use in terms of if you get kind of, I hate, I wouldn't use the word 
let's call it white bald. Let's let's <laughs> let's re- reverse it. Yeah. 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 I mean that's you, fitting. <laughs> so so you did see some kind of like you felt a certain way in terms of man, what's up with this these terms? Yes. Here? Man, this is yes. like some subprime mortgage <laughs> totally like there would be things in those term sheets yeah. where i know for a fact they would never put it in anybody else's like yeah it, yeah it, it, it was crazy so you have unfavorable terms uh white ball terms from investors then you have amazon looking at your company uh do you start to think about Hey, it's Amazon, but I need another bidder. I need yes. someone bidding against Amazon. Oh, yes. And so how do you how are you thinking about that? Okay, so I don't want to get into too much detail on this. Um, but obviously, if you're going to sell your company, you need to have competition. Like there needs to be it would be optimal if there is some type of bidding war cuz then you can get more money. Um, so the sad part of about my story is that a company like Amazon as big as they are they aren't going to leave a, if they put an offer on the table they're not going to leave it out there for you to go shop around yeah you're not so you, you have to make yeah, a decision they're, 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 yeah they're going to be like they're not going to want you to shop their deal right yeah and like i they're said they're Amazon yeah like i said i wasn't in the market to sell my company at that time so it's not like i had people already at the table it really was for me Okay, I have, I can either go with the investors and continue to build the business, or I can go with Amazon and say, okay, we had a great run, achieved X, Y things, and now we're going to just sell the company, be able to continue working on the technology, you know, launch the technology in the app, in the Amazon mobile app, and ultimately achieve the vision of getting this technology out to the masses. So that was really my decision. I personally didn't have the the you know ability to get more buyers to the table just because it was a short time window I had to make a call and so did you talk to any bankers mm-hmm. yeah I did so yeah. again more time I, I may have gone with a banker but what I was looking it's at it's a good thing I think based on my experience it's a good thing you didn't go with a banker yeah I, I heard mixed reviews yeah. about yeah. bankers but I was really looking at the numbers and yeah. I was thinking okay I know how this pie is going to slice and I don't want to put any more slices in the pie and the banker's going to take another slice. And I think I can, and I was already kind of far in the process. So I feel like, okay, I can manage this on my own. Yeah. My experience with investment bankers and I've hired them is that because their, their hand is in the pot in terms of your overall deal, they're getting a, some form of commission off of it, a success fee that they're pushing the valuation they're trying to push it too hard higher uh, and where that could end you with no deal, uh, essentially. That, yeah. And, of course, they're overcompensated. Yeah, exactly. So because of how the timing of everything worked out, I already knew where I kind of felt I had taken it. So a banker, in my opinion, would have been good if I had multiple buyers at the yeah. table. But given the circumstances of what I was doing, I felt like it's not necessary. Have you met people who criticized that decision where you did not go through some pricing discovery against Amazon? Because I know some very smart people like, hey, I'm not shopping this deal against an Amazon. You could shop the deal against a kind of a different company, but if they're ready to do a deal, uh, you know, 
I mess around and lose the bird in the hand by trying to play them and, and, and kind of, you know, go through some pricing discovery. Yeah. I, I tr- Let me just put it like this. I tried to do it, but it was this too short of a time window. It really was like. In terms of, uh, hey, reaching out to a couple of companies, you were going to reach out yourself? Yeah. Okay. Because nice. I had relationships yeah. like, you know, I, I worked at Google for several years, so I knew people. Trying, I was trying to get more people to the table. It's just like that, but it was just too quick. Can you share what type of deadline? Uh, it was no, very, very, very quick. <laughs> very quick deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they have the. I guess they have the the leverage um, uh, on that. Uh, and so you decide to to do the deal. Uh, how long did the negotiations take with your uh, counsel? I decided to do that deal in I want to say June. I want to say June, and we closed the deal October 31st. So was that four or five months? Um, and I would say that was the hardest, that back and forth, yeah. and just being on edge, thinking, because you never know. A lot of Something deals could go don't wrong. work. Due, due diligence, yeah. right? So There's you, so many things that could go wrong. Were you paranoid <laughs> at the stage of due diligence when they're going through your accounting and they're going through your customers? Uh, were you scared that you could lose this deal and they can just walk away? Yeah. This is after, of course, you signed the yeah. LOI or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There was many days where I was like, yeah, this isn't going to, it's not going to close. Because the thing also is you are providing all this information. So on the, on the one hand, you're like, okay, this better close because they have everything. Yeah. You know, so if they want to just. They could do they could do whatever they want there and also they're the giant and I'm the small fish. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was very nervous throughout the whole process. How polished was your um, organization in terms of uh, your accounting yeah. and audits and stuff like that uh, for the audience uh, when they're a, when a buyer shows up ready to do a deal, your price could go down. Or you may lose the deal if they come in and look how if they see a like a disorganized house, you have to get back to them in five months on like some simple stuff. Uh, and so talk about that process. Well, I had a couple things that were going right for me, which is that, like I said, we had already started the process of raising a series A. So we already had a lot of things in order Got it. just because of that and just because we had been pretty organized just throughout the course of the company as far as the financials and the legal work and everything. Um, the patents we filed, everything was in pretty good order. We did have to find some stuff, you know, but also we hadn't been operating for that long. So it wasn't like we're going back 10 years to try to find stuff. It's like, you know, we'd been a company for three and a half, almost four years at the time um, when we got acquired. So we had things in order, um, but it, it there were a ton of things to provide. So I guess that's a, a note to, to companies is just like keep things in in a, a good order, make copies of everything, um, put it all in a Dropbox or Box or wherever you keep your files so that it's easy to access. Yeah. Yeah. For companies, you could find a due diligence checklist online where, you know, you're going to be guided on what, a buyer would ask for uh, and the due diligence checklist that you can get online, you should just keep your business 
keep things kind of in order of the due diligence uh, checklist. So when it, when the time comes and Amazon comes to your door or another company, you already have the stuff that's ready to go. You may be able to respond to the buyer or investor in a couple of days, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. if you keep your stuff in order. Yeah. yeah. In our case, it wasn't really the due diligence that took that much time. It was the the stock purchase agreement. It was the paperwork talking about the terms of all the terms of the deal going back and forth between the legal teams that took a significant amount of time. And how long do they want you to stay on? Oh. <laughs> um, I'm still at Amazon. Okay. <laughs> Full time? Yes. Okay. Okay. I great. work in the building next door. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I'm still there. Okay. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Can you share how long you have to be there according to the agreement? So it's, it's not even a have to be there. Okay, it's, good. it's, I am incentivized to be there for oh, okay. a certain uh, amount of time. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to uh, change gears here and talk about a very uh, hot topic. Okay. Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Of course, uh, another Howard alumni, accomplished, successful. Let's start off by saying, speak to brothers getting out of pocket Oh. in terms of <laughs> <laughs> criticizing Kamala Harris on, let's call it, unfair, uneven grounds. Uh, yes. In terms of some of the stuff sounds very uh, sexist and disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Speak to that crowd. But there's another crowd that may have, of course, some legitimate, a legitimate critique that, I, you know, that we'll talk about. Okay. So the crowd that I've seen um, on social media really attacking Senator Harris, I'm very disappointed in. I'm not surprised. Yeah. But I... I they're going to... A lot of these people, they're going to attack anything. They're going to attack... Frivolous, yeah. Yeah. There are people who... I don't know what they do for a living, but it seems like they spend most of their time online just... Rah, 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 yeah. Attacking somebody. Um, so Kamala is the person for this week. But, um, yeah, I... I you I'm, see a lot of out-of-pocket stuff that yeah. you're offended I am. Uh, yeah. I am. And I think part of it is obviously, you know, politicians, I'm sure they know if they if they put themselves out there, their history and past and everything is open for discussion. But I think there's a way to have respectful discourse about someone's history. You're okay um, with people criticizing her policies or I, I'm fine th- with yeah. with criticism. I think it should be more balanced and it I've, the thing that I've noted is that people are very quick to jump on her. And there are other candidates who have said that they're running or we have speculation about them mm-hmm. running. And there seems to be very limited discussion about what their background and policy is. And I think that we just have to be careful, given who we currently have in office, about you know demonizing somebody who's overly demonizing overly demonizing because i think that's a similar pattern that happened with hillary and i would i don't i'm i'll speak for myself and say i would much rather have her as president today as our current president than our current president um so i'm just afraid that people going and spreading these ideas which a lot of them some of them may be valid a lot of them are just sound bites that are not well researched um, I'm, I'm scared that that is a similar pattern that we've seen before. And I really, really, really don't want to end up with 
another. Are you locked in to supporting Kamala Harris where regardless of what other candidates are proposing, you're voting for her anyway. You're riding with Kamala Harris no matter what. Well. Uh, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm banging for Kamala Harris and this is my team. Okay, so I'm, I am, ooh, this is tough. I am going to listen to each of the candidates. I'm going to hear out their agendas, what they want. You know, I, I'm very interested in, in just listening and hearing everyone. I will say that Kamala has a very big advantage because she went to my university. Um, I have met her, and I think that she, from the interaction that I've had with her, I believe she's a good person. And I know that I could get to her. Okay. So she's yeah. accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... You think once she's elected, she's going to be accessible? President? I mean, one of my very best friend in the world is working on her campaign right now. Okay. So yeah. I have people that maybe I can't get to her, but I know yeah. people that can get to her. So that's one... I mean, I... Yeah, I think that's important. I want to be yeah. able to reach the pe- the people who are in power. Um, so that's so I say she has an advantage because I've met her. I liked the interaction I had with her. I think that she's brilliant, a brilliant woman. I like the way that she, you know, interacts with folks and is not scared to say what she believes. And, and you know, the her interaction in the um, in the uh, Kavanaugh hearings, I felt. Yes, I want somebody like her who is not about the bull, you know. But I will say I think that there are things that need to be examined, and and I want her to directly answer some questions um, regarding some of the things in her past. So I'm going to be listening attentively as she presents her ideas and as the other candidates present their ideas. She has an advantage, (laughs) but I'm listening to everybody else as well. Uh, so when you hear uh, specifically brothers and let's say a brother brings up, hey, you know, Kamala Harris, she wanted to lock uh, poor moms up when their kids were being truant. Yeah. You know, I don't give her a high grade on criminal justice reform in terms of when she was in when she was in those important roles. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, she's moving uh, in the right direction closer to the election, in my opinion. Uh, but when you hear those type of critiques yeah do you are you putting these people in boxes where you're skeptical kind of like you know agendas or do you think they're a legitimate there's a legitimate line of kind of critique of kamala harris so i think there i put those the people who are so gung-ho about her not being the, the candidate already before we even know who all the people are i think i put those people in the box because I just I feel like that's very aggressive for this point in time. Okay, so you you believe that Kamala Harris is gonna bang for let's call it on inequality mm-hmm. in terms of you know of course you have lobbyists, big corporations, Wall Street, Silicon Valley. I think that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you give her a higher grade on reliably banging against inequality? than a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren? Well, given the fact that... Has Bernie even said he's running? He hasn't announced, okay. he hasn't announced yet, but I'm just kind of... Let's, let's assume that he's going to run. Okay, so again, I would love to see them in a debate environment, and I would love to hear each of their points as the questions are being 
uh, asked to them. I think so to to the the question you had about the truant parent, that's a theme I've seen recently, people showing a video of her talking about that. And then I dug in a little bit more and I read an article about that policy and, and what were the results of it. And it said that 20 parents were arrested during that time for their, their children not attending school. And I, I, w- I would love to have a conversation about that. Like, personally, I know that there are reasons why the parent wouldn't be in control and, you know, but also, what what should the penalty? What should the consequence be? Why should it be that kids can just not go to school? And you know, so yeah. I, I think that's something worth talking about. I don't think the attack of oh, well, she she had this policy, she's bad. That's just end of the conversation. I think we should dialogue. Okay, yeah. so what do a we respectful, think we should do? A respectful conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, what? How do we solve that problem? You know, so so anyway, I say all that to say I think it's worth conversations and us not just saying this is not my candidate because x y and z or putting up a little snippet of a video that's lacking context i would just like for us to be having more dialogues about okay we all know there's a big big problems there's huge problems in this country how do we reasonably address them and she had a certain seat as a prosecutor where she was trying to do the best that she knew in her role and position and that's the angle that some people are like oh Kamala's a cop so I'm not voting for her period that's it it's just like well, wait a minute yeah. what yeah <laughs> Does that- I don't think that that's uh a reason not to support her yeah, yeah. I, I, and but there yeah. there's a, a there's a group that that is their thing that's yeah. you know that's All because it. she's a cop because she's a cop and I don't like hey, cops yeah and it's like okay well do you how do you feel about crime do you like what do you mean you don't yeah. like cops? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, just take all the cops out of your hood. Just take yeah, let's see how that goes. Like, yeah. you know, that that's not reasonable. So I think we just have to come in with a little bit more level-headedness and just a little bit more dialogue, and then we might get somewhere. What would you say to the people out there that would that say, look, Obama was good for that time. Mm-hmm. But we've seen that stuff, and Obama was a good president. But at this time, we need someone a bit more radical in terms of uh, inequality and some of this other stuff, lobbying, big tech, Wall Street. We need somebody uh, who's going to go against the lobbyists, go against these powerful corporations. That Obama was good for that time, but in Obama 2.0, we need something different. This time, and Kamala Harris is a little bit too close to the center, too safe. Okay, so what I would say to that is, can the country sustain such wide swings in such short periods of time? Right now, we have somebody in the office, in the presidency, who, if they could have found a more opposite person to President Obama, I don't, I don't think they could have found a more opposite person. So that is a huge swing between what we had from 08 to... 2016 and what we have now to me first of all you have to think about electability can a person who is way more radical than president obama or kamala harris be elected by the whole country (laughs) that's what we gotta we can't just go based on we have to think about how do we get this man out we can't think about we got to go totally far far left you don't think that that's a privileged position where, let's say, the folks in Harlem and Watts and Compton and South 
side of Chicago where, hey, there's a lot of issues here around the country. And if you're saying that the best thing we're going to do this time, another four or eight years, is we're going to go back to Obama. Uh, And we, of course, are, are not benefiting. A lot of us are getting left behind with the rise of inequality. Just that's not anything to look forward to for a lot of people. If you say that we're going to go back to a safe Obama. Well, first of all, I would I would challenge the idea that Kamala is a Obama. She's close to like an Obama center. I think she has. I've heard her say some things that I didn't hear President Obama say different time, different issues. Yeah, not the same, but it's kind of like the center of the party you see her kind of rallying like she's in the center. She's not like uh, she's not far left. Like a, I believe uh, Warren and Sanders are to the left of her. Right. Uh, she's more kind of in the middle of the road mm-hmm. uh, where a lot more people are comfortable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, again, Inc- including I- from my perspective, big corporations. Yeah. So I think that I'm, I, I got to go back to what I was saying about what candidate is going to win you know so your vote for potentially your vote could be different if you didn't analyze who could actually win so is is that what it is like well i'm I'm gonna vote my interest right so speaking from a place of privilege i am very concerned about people who are in poverty people who do not have health care people who you know all of these different demographics i am concerned about these folks and i do work to help these folks i'm also concerned about taxes or you know i have other things that i'm i'm interested in and worried about as well so i'm i'm you know for me being a person who cares about people in general i'm going to vote for the candidate that i feel like is going to do the most good what i deem to be good so, again, I have to listen to everybody. I think from my interaction that Kamala has a similar vantage point. Um, so right now she's my, my front runner. And also I think she's electable. And I think she is going to be able to do the best winning folks who might be Republican but can't mess with Trump anymore. I think she probably has a, a better chance of getting those people on board than Bernie Sanders, maybe. With your friend working on the Kamala Harris campaign, uh, do you have any insight on her rollout of how to deal with? Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> Amazon, you know, Google and Facebook, and you know, the a lot of the stuff that's going on there. No, I don't. I don't get the the. Meeting notes. Yeah. (laughs) So what I think is going to come up is it hasn't uh, come up is from my perspective. Hey, you were a cop. That's not a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. Right. You're a district attorney. We need people in those roles. We need good people in those roles. Uh, You were attorney general, you know, uh, so, you know, you were in those roles. That's not a deal breaker on its own. But if I believe what's going to play out is America is, is headed into a recession, mm-hmm. uh, possibly a, a crisis. Uh, I think that's going to happen before 2020. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we're on the same page there. But 
if America goes to a Occupy Silicon Valley like they did a Occupy Wall Street, mm-hmm. people are going to say, hey, you were locking a lot of uh, poor folks up as district attorney, as attorney general. You're the chief cop of the state, including corporations. Mm-hmm. What were you doing with the rise of these beast corporations who are monopolizing the economy and contributing to inequality, Mm -hmm. how were you policing Google and Facebook uh, while you were attorney general? We're in, of course, in New York, people expect the New York attorney general, that is the kind of cop for Wall Street, for the corporations out there. But I think there's going to be a tension because the, what's going on in Silicon Valley in terms of contributing to inequality People are gonna be looking for stuff to blame. Why yeah. is this? Why say, is this economy you, so messed up? Do you think that falls into her jurisdiction? Her I don't know. I, I think I, I think so. In terms of you know what were you doing? At least uh, uh, in 2013, a consumer advocacy group they raised the question of we want to see her bang against. Uh, some of these big tech corporations in 2013, like we see the New York AG in New York, mm-hmm. and so if more attention. Because, you know, you've seen the layoffs with BuzzFeed. and yeah. There's layoffs are starting to accelerate. Yeah. Big is that mm-hmm. if that attention turns to Silicon Valley where they're the punching bag mm-hmm. and they're like, you've got to blame for them for the recession. Nobody can get a job, robots, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Some attention can say, look, if you're going to be the cop locking everyone up, you know, district attorney AG, how are you policing these big corporations? Why? You know, why no, why no energy over there when you were in office? Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder if I'm very curious to see if that comes up, because my first thought is, well, I don't that feels like a little bit of a stretch. As far as <laughs> it sounds like you want to say, hey, man, that's a lot. Of, <laughs> <laughs> man, that's. <laughs> that's <laughs> sounds a little loony <laughs> no I'm not, I'm, i follow where you're going yeah, with yeah. it i wonder i'm sure I, I don't know i don't know yeah. the exact job description of attorney general and what they yeah. you know what they police and what they don't but i will say that look i lived in i lived in oakland for two years when i was working at google straight out of college and i this was 2010 to 2012 and i one outside of my personal issues one of the things i hated the most about living out there was the fact that i felt like i was contributing to the huge gap between the folks who are from oakland living in oakland not working in the tech industry and the people that are just coming in working at google and facebook and apple or whatever um i could see it as plain as day i was living in my nice apartment paying way too much for rent and i was seeing prostitution drug use right on my street like I every single day it hurt me so bad to see that um should you know if I run for office in 20 years will someone say well Jewel you were living in Oakland and you know what I'm saying like yeah I, I'm gonna say I felt bad about that I don't I don't know what I could do to help I mean she was an elected official but I, I don't know I companies need to be held accountable for that why why is it okay for these top corporations to displace all these workers i mean all these people that's contributing yeah you know that's greed to talk to about that i think we shouldn't talk i don't know if we should blame kamala for for that 
So during the election, if you start seeing specifically, let's stay focused on black men. Okay. If you start seeing black men go over to folks more so on the left, mm-hmm. more radical, not yeah. centrist. Bernie. Paul Harris, do you have a art, uh, Elizabeth Warren? I think oh, she Elizabeth scores Warren. high okay. in terms of her track record against big, big corporations. corporations. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a, when you see people like, hey, I'm not supporting Kamala Harris. I'm supporting Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. I'm voting white. They're not saying that. They're not voting that, but that's actually what they're doing. But yeah. Do you feel a certain way, certain way in terms of loyalty where, hey, the black voter, it won't vote for the black candidate? Uh, do you feel a certain way like, hey, you should be writing for our people in these positions, uh, and I'm disappointed? Like, do you, do you have an emotional thought when you see that? I do have an emotional thought just because I think – people are not even giving Kamala a chance. Like, first of all, she just announced a week ago, and we're already saying, oh, she's not my candidate. You know, folks are already saying that. So I think that, so I think- But the thing is, uh, not to cut you off, but the thing is, for a lot of people, and I'm talking about the crazy folks, the disrespectful folks, the sexist folks, but a lot of people, I can't go by what the politician, because- the black community have been abused by the Democratic Party so much. Mm-hmm. All races in the Democratic Party have abused the black community, in my view, have exploited the black community. You so mean like as a block of voters just taking advantage? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So you guys don't have a place to go, yeah. essentially. You're not going to vote MAGA. You're not going to vote Bush. So you're going to vote us if you're going to vote. So because the, the corporate side of the Democratic Party, the ones that are really friendly with lobbyists and corporations— because we've been abused and exploited for so long in the mm-hmm. Democratic Party, our voter equity is not what we should be getting because mm-hmm. we don't have any optionality. There's, there's not really an option to go Republican. Right. We can't go by, at the time of the election, what you're saying now or what you're saying in the future. Uh, because of the history, the relationship between the Democratic Party and black people here in the United States— We can only go by what has happened in the past. Politicians are going to optimize for getting votes, uh, winning the Electoral College, and kind of hooking people in. Mm -hmm. But we want to discount what you say now because of the history and the relationship. The only thing we can really go by is the track record. Mm -hmm. And so Kamala Harris, her track record is out there, and that's what folks really need to be evaluating. What would you say about that? Okay. I think people, that's fine, but I think people just need to be cognizant of what her position was. So you can go by the track record, but she's never been president before. You know what I'm saying? She's never been in this type of position. So the position she was in was to, uh, she was she was a, a enforcer of the law. That's slightly different in terms of framing than some of the even some of the other candidates what their background and history has been yeah so i think it's fine to ask questions about certain things that she did but it's important to understand first of all what were the what were the uh, desired goals of those particular policies that she had in place how did she measure up against those goals i mean did she achieve them did she not achieve them instead of looking at it as a wide stroke of 
oh, well, she locked many people up. Well, did those people deserve to be locked up? Yeah, Let's so, talk about that. Yeah, so what I'm talking about is not just criminal justice reform, but other uh, things. Uh, for example, um, Joe Biden. Uh -huh. And to your point, you got to be fair in terms of evaluating the candidates. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, of course, uh, voted for the Clinton crime bill. Joe Biden voted for the Iraq war where hundreds of thousands of people died. Uh, Hillary Clinton voted for the um, uh, Iraq war, uh, supported the Clinton crime bill of her husband. And so when we look at these things, and if we were evaluate each candidate, I believe we need to be looking at, hey, you know, who's like Obama did not vote for the Iraq war. Bernie Sanders did not vote for the Iraq war. Elizabeth Warren did not vote for the Iraq war. But when we shouldn't just look at criminal justice reform in uh, Kamala Harris's record in California, but where does she fit in terms of the facts, evidence, and history? Where is she more of the Biden and Clinton, where they're voting for mass incarceration because at the time it's the popular thing, or there it's the popular thing to go into work in a war in Iraq? Mm -hmm. Or is she more of I don't really trust the establishment? And I'm like on another side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's we should we should interrogate that. We should talk about that. We should see where do we feel that she ranks as far as our personal ideologies and and all of that. I also think we should listen to what she has to say today because people evolve over time. She's in her 50s. She's had a 30 plus year career so far. This what she said in 1997 she might have a, a very different opinion. I have different opinions about things. I grew up in, in, in the South, in Nashville. There were things I was not exposed to until I got to Howard. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is different. I have, I have a different idea about this. Maybe I, you know, people of all over time, I think that's something we should leave room for as well is, yeah, we're going to look at your, your record, but we're also going to look at what are you saying today and what is the, the policy that you have put out there that you want to, you know, make happen if you become president, how does that line up with what we believe? So I think we have to leave room for that too. Uh, good point. Uh, I want to invite Kamala Harris on the show. Hopefully we can uh, get her uh, on the show to answer some tough questions. Yeah. Uh, like we got Andrew Gilliam, but I want to say thanks, uh, Jill Burks for coming on the show. Uh, where can people check you out online? So I am on Twitter at Jewel Melanie, also Instagram at Jewel Melanie. Uh, my website is jewelburks.com. And yeah, I'm, I'm around in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank the queen of tech uh, here in uh, ATL. Uh, Jewel Burks is doing the damn thing. Uh, she's inspiring people. She's working on initiatives to get more entrepreneurs into this game. But, you know, I'm really uh, excited about the stuff you're working on and what you're doing here in uh, ATL. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Go. You can check me out at Jamarla Martin on Twitter and also come check us out at mogledom.com. That's M-O-G-U-L-D-O-M.com. Be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter. You can get the latest information on crypto, tech, economic empowerment, and politics. Let's go.